the reading of God's Word. If you do not have a Bible, you can raise your hand and someone will run at you with a Bible and give it to you. In English or Espanol, in English or Spanish, we have Bibles. Anyone else? You raise your hand. Any Bibles? There you have one. Another Bible here. All right, Bibles. If you do not own a Bible, you may keep that Bible. It is uh, a gift from us to you. I can't imagine anything I'd rather give you than a Bible. As long as you show up six months from now and the thing is all torn up and highlighted and, and, and uh, beaten up because you've been reading it so much. Okay, we are beginning today a new book. We were in Galatians for 11 months. At Calvary Chapel, we go chapter by chapter through the Bible. Um, on Tuesday nights, uh, I am in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, today, I am in Philippians, and we are in verse 1 of chapter 1. So chapter 1, verse 1 of Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 1 of Philippians. Capitulo 1, versículo 1 de Filipenses. Verse 1 says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine making requests for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains, he's in prison at this moment, he's, uh, he's writing this, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. There's so much here, Lord. There, there's 20 sermons, Lord, but you've given me one. And I just pray, Father, that you help me with it. I pray that I wouldn't be a hindrance to you speaking, to you speaking to the hearts of the people today. Lord, that um, every man, woman, and child in here would not miss a jot or tittle of what you want to say. No word would fall to the ground. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So again, it starts off, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. 
Verse three says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests um, for you with all joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then in verse eight, it says, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Some translations say, with the heart of Jesus Christ. Um, it's the King James bowels in the Greek, splendon, which mean it hurts. Ever love or long someone for someone so much it hurts? I know some of you know what that's like. That's what the word is. That's what he's talking about. He loves them so much, just thinking about them hurts. So, who are these people? The Philippians. And where is Philippi? So to answer these questions, I'm going to do what I usually do when I start one of these uh, Paul's letters. We are going to go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is uh, uh, just a message about is a letter about, uh, about where, what happened right after Jesus rose from the dead and about the churches that were first established. So we're going to be in Acts 16 probably for about 10 or 15 minutes, which we're going to be introduced to Philippi and the Philippians. Who were these people that he loved so much it hurts? So Acts 16, so move to the left in your Bible, Acts chapter 16, we are going to be in verse 6. So Paul is on a journey, he's first starting out, he's planting churches, he, he was an enemy, he, he uh, he had killed Christians. He had gone from place to place, literally arresting them and eventually um, casting his vote to put them to death. He had a tremendous conversion in which God spoke to him, and he just did a 180. And so he went um, out over time and started planting churches and seeing people come to Christ. So in verse 6, it's, it's a continuation of this journey. This is in Acts chapter 6. It says, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia. Now who lives in, the, in Galatia? Shout it out. That's right. We just finished Galatians. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now I want to put up this. Uh, I want to put up this map. Do we have the map, Dave? And, and I get my favorite little toy here. So uh, where are we? Okay, so Paul is has left Antioch and he's going up here and he wants to come down here. But it says that they were forbidden to go to Asia, which means probably they couldn't get in there. The Holy Spirit prohibited them from going in. And so let's go to verse 7. 
it says, and after that, they came to Mysia. They tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't let them go there either. So where's Mysia? Mysia is right uh, there. And they tried to go into here, Bithynia, but the Spirit wouldn't let them go there. Now, it sounds kind of weird. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, doesn't want them to preach the word somewhere. Well, we'll find out the answer to that. There is an answer. Verse 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So the uh, place at Macedonia, the, this person in a vision that is calling him is up here, all the way up here, top left-hand corner. And if you look really closely, if you have binoculars or something, there is Philippi, Philippi in the middle of Macedonia. Again, it says in verse 9 that this man in this vision is pleading. In the Greek, it's the word parakaleo. It translates also begs, I want to tell you Calvary Chapel. That the Bible says that the mountains, the hills, the forest, the, the birds, and all animals, their very existence cries out to all the world that there is a God. And when man rejects God, he becomes over time fragile, confused, anxious, and fearful. It's called cognitive dissonance. If you've never heard that word, God bless you. But what it means is there's, a, there's, there's truth and you know it's a truth, but you live out your life as if it's not true. And, and so, the, the, so, so the rejecting the uh, existence of God leads over time to a man, a woman, becoming fragile, confused, anxious, and fearful. Um, you may see people who you don't know. And they look really well put together. They look really educated. They look... Uh, like they got money, they always seem to say the right thing. They look like they're put together. But without God, they're not. They're not. I've never met such a person in my life. That they're not put together, that, that um, actually inside, they're crying out for help. And from, from time to time, with God's grace, cry, they cry this out. They, help me, God. In other words, uh, the cognitive dissonance, they let go. They recognize that the mountains, the forests, the animals, the lakes, everything, the stars, cry out there's a God. And they cry out, help me, God. And so that's what this person, um, this vision that it, this man in Macedonia, I believe it's a real person. I believe we're going to see them in this chapter um, later on. Um, he's crying out and he's saying, come and help us. It says there in verse 9. Verse 10 says, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia. 
Again, Macedonia is where Philippi is. Concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace and the next day to Neapolis. So uh, there you have it. Uh, it, Troas is uh, right there, and so he's heading right towards Philippi, top left-hand corner. Uh, and this is now, by the way, Europe. There are those who say this is the most important uh, day or two in the history of Europe. I think they would be right in concluding that, considering what happened next and over the next 2,000 years after. And so uh, they, they go um, from Samothrace to Neapolis, verse 12, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, uh, a colony, that part. And we were staying in that city for some time. So now he's in Philippi. We're reading today, book of Philippians. And verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, now when you see that word Sabbath, um, your, uh, your antenna should go off, that means there's some Jews there, otherwise they would not have been, he wouldn't use this word. We went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Verse 14, now... A certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple. Now that means she sold garments that were dyed in uh, purple. That also means she's rich. (laughs) Because garments uh, dyed in purple, the the dye was uh, from shellfish. It was relatively rare. And the rich people, they liked their purple. She was a seller of purple purple, it says. And so uh, continuing on, it says that she was from the city of Thyatira. Yes, that's the same uh, city as in the book of Revelation. And, And it says, these certain women, they worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So without getting into too much explanation, Lydia was a woman who was not Jewish by blood. She was what was called a God-fearing Gentile, meaning God-fearing non-Jew, meaning she as well as others, they caught on to the fact that this Jewish God was the only God. He was the God of the universe. He was the one true living God. That's why it says in verse 14, she worshiped God. So as we talked about at the uh, beginning of the book of Galatians, these non-Jewish, they called them God-fears, they would sit Uh, or stand sort of at the periphery of where uh, in the synagogue and they would uh, pay attention to what was going on. They would be drawn to it. Why? Because the scriptures were being read and their hearts were drawn to it. So it says that Paul, verse 14 says, Paul spoke to Lydia and the other women with her and it says that at the end of verse 14, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to the things spoken by Paul. Now, what were the things uh, 
spoken by Paul. They would have been the same or similar things which he had spoken to the Galatians at the big, in Acts chapter um, 13. They, they would have sounded something like this. You need to be saved. And, and I, I believe I'm speaking to more than one person today. You need to be saved. You have violated every law of God, if not by the letter you have in your heart. Because of that, you face a certain judgment by God, an eternal judgment. And because of that, um, uh, that judgment, um, you should be shaken in your boots. But good news, salvation is available to you. Because God so loved the world, the sea, the rivers, the trees cry out, there's a God, but he didn't leave it up to our best guess to figure out who he was. He so loved the world, he sent his son to bear your judgment, the punishment for your sin, every sin you ever committed or will ever. He, he was punished on the cross and three days later, he rose from the dead. Lydia... Paul said, believe, me, believe in him, ask him into your life as Lord and King, and you will pass from death to life. No amount of obeying the law will help you, only Jesus can help you. He stands at the door of your heart, he's knocking, open the door of your heart and let him in. And it says, it says again at the end of verse 14, the Lord opened to her heart to heed or obey or do the things spoken by Paul. Meaning she said, Jesus, come into my life now. I am yours. She was a wealthy woman. But I tell you, all of you who are striving after wealth, it, 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 it's powerless. <laughs> it's not going to help you. It's not going to help that thing inside of you that's crying out, help me, someone help me. Surely money will do it. No, that's a lie. And she, she cries out, and, and, and I believe she's one, she's part of uh, uh, what, what was going on in that vision that Paul had, had said. And, he, and Paul shows up. And he tells her, only the true, one true living God created, creator of heaven and earth who loved you and died for you, no, doesn't matter how much money you have, is able to help you. So let's go on to verse 15. We're introducing ourselves to the Philippians and the city of Philippi. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she persuaded us. And so they settled down there, in her house there. They settled down, they got, they got comfortable there. But I would not give you the full picture of who the Philippians were and why Paul loved them so much that it hurt unless I go on. So buckle your seatbelt because now things get crazy. Verse 16 says, Now it happened 
as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. Meaning, this, she was possessed by a demon and was actually able to tell things to people that would have been impossible for anyone else to know. It says at the end of the verse, um, her masters made much profit by fortune telling. So they made a lot of money off of this woman. Verse 17 says, the girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Verse 18, and this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now this is a confusing verse when you first read it. Why would he have an issue with someone saying, hey, these guys follow the most high God. I'll give you a very simple explanation. If on I-93 there was a big billboard that said, go to Calvary Chapel this Sunday, sponsored by Satanists of America. I'm not going to be happy about that. Okay, and so, but that's what was going on here, and um, it, it, was a, it was a demon-possessed woman. Rest assured, when you start a ministry or when you start off ministry and serving the Lord, Satan is going to be after you. And he's not a, this guy in a pitchfork, uh, red with um, a little red hat on. It's a, it's a, we live in a spiritual world. This is a demonic realm. And so um, it says in verse 18, at the end, he came out, that spirit came out that very hour. So here was another one. This time it's not a wealthy woman, but it's a slave girl crying out for help. The Lord heard the cry, just as he heard Lydia's cry. The Lord will listen to your cry for help 100% of the time. Verse 19, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude, if you're taking notes, I hope you are, circle that word, multitude. The multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, that means those big long marks from being beaten with rods, They threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Oh my. You might think at this point they'd be saying, 
this mission trip is not going very well. That's not what they said. That's not what they did. Verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. So, this man also had been crying for help long before Paul arrived at the jail. And the Lord brought him right into the man's house. And, and so the Lord will listen to your cry for help 100% of the time. You may say, well, I cried out for help. It doesn't seem like the Lord is hearing. Well, it didn't seem like that for Lydia. It didn't, wasn't like that for the slave girl or this man either. When was that vision that Paul saw someone crying out for help? It was about three months earlier. And so uh, two or three months had passed. So don't trust your feeling. Trust in the word of God. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, quick caveat to that. When the Bible says this, Dave, do we have this verse? When the Bible says this verse, very well-known verse, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's important to understand that means when you call on him with absolute surrender. Not like 98% and the 2%, I'm not about to let this go. The Lord will not, or there can be no expectation at least, that he's gonna come to you if you're holding anything back. But, but if you have absolutely surrendered to the Lord, if you said, I give up and I believe, I, God, please help me. The Bible promises that you will be saved, that the Lord will come to your help, and that you will see that help over time. It's a promise of the Lord. So, Lydia, it says in the previous verse, 
opened her heart to the Lord, meaning without reservation, without conditions, holding nothing back, she opened up her heart to the Lord. The slave girl did the same thing. This jailer, he really did the same thing. He says he came up trembling and said, what what do I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So let's finish out the chapter. Skip down to verse 39, our introduction here to Philippi and the Philippines, rather the Philippians. It says, verse 39 says, then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So the people who had thrown them in jail shows up, they show up the next morning. They plead with Paul and the others, can you just get out of this city? Verse 40 says, so they, meaning Paul and his friends, went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. And so they left. They left the the city. Who was left? A seller of purple, a slave girl, and a jailer and his family. Surely there's no way they're going to survive. They have a whole multitude of people against them. You remember from the, the, the verse? The multitude had come against this new faith. But let me tell you, Calvary Chapel is all the Lord needed. It's all he needs. It's something like this, a seller of purple, a slave girl and a jailer and his, his family. And then remember the verse. We're going to get back to it in a little bit. But remember the verse we read this morning. He who began a good work in you is faithful to believe it. God had begun the work. And there's no possible way all the demons in hell are going to stop it. God began it. Once God begins something, he completes it. Jesus said in Matthew 16, on this rock I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So about five years from this time, we learn in Acts 20, Paul comes back by Philippi twice. But now, It's about been nine or 10 years since he's been there and he's writing this letter. So how is that for an introduction to Philippians? If you could turn back to Philippians at this time. Please turn back to Philippians. So let's start again in verse one. So now you know Philippi and you know the Philippians. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. And so, can also be translated, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. If you weren't here last week, we talked a lot about that. What it means to be a slave of Jesus Christ. It says, to all the saints... In Christ Jesus. Now, the word saint, forget that idea that saints are just certain famous men and women in history who they do stained glass windows with. That's not a saint. You're a saint if you've done what Lydia has done, which is, God, I'm done. I believe in you. I give you it all. That that, that means you're a saint. Um, at that time, uh, at the time that you do that. It says, saints to all the saints 
in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're circling, if you have a pen, circle that, in Christ Jesus. Paul, in his letters, uses that phrase 80 times. I would think it's important. (laughs) In Christ Jesus. Someone who has opened up their heart to the Lord, someone who has uh, given their life to Jesus Christ. Uh, The Bible says the moment you believe in Jesus and say, Jesus, I have nothing else else to offer you but my faith. I believe what you did for me, I'm yours. The Bible says immediately the Holy Spirit invades, takes possession, and you are God's for all eternity. And at that moment, you are also in Christ, in him, 80 times. And I often say God, God will repeat, the Bible will repeat something twice or once if we don't get it. Well, when he repeats something 80 times, you know that's something, we're, we're, we gotta be in learning mode. Like, what is it that you don't know about you are in Christ? 80 times we are told that. Well, so what does that mean anyway? Uh, John 15, I think, is the uh, best verse to describe it. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says in John 15, uh, uh, oops, that's not John 14, that's John 15, sorry about that. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So he who abides in me. Now, some of you have the uh, NIV translation, it says, he who remains, or in Espanol, permanece, permanece. Both translations, not good, because that's not what it means. It, it, can I have the verse again, Dave? If, if, you look at, um, if you look at the Spanish, it says, el, yo soy la vid, vosotros los Pampanos, el que está en me. He who is in me, not who remains in me. Once you're in Christ, that's done. For all eternity, you're in Christ. And, and, and uh, the vine and the branch, um, are, uh, there's a fusion that happens there. I am the vine, you are the, br- uh, you are the branch. And so let's, um, so that's 80 times. It's important that you understand to all the saints, middle of verse one, in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. A bishop is like a, a leader, an overseer, who is in the church. It's not someone who's above the church, it's a leader in the church. Verse two, grace to you and peace. Now, as I, we, Paul introduces almost uh, really all his letters like this, Unless you think Hebrews was also written by Paul. It's not, Hebrews is not introduced like this. But it's, it's grace and peace. And why is grace always before peace? Anyone want to shout it out? Please, make me happy and proud of you. You can't have peace unless you understand grace. It's not going to happen. You will never have peace with God unless you first understand you are saved by grace, not by any law that you've ever committed. You can't. You violated every, the Bible says you violated every law in the Bible. 
if not by the letter, you have in your spirit, Jesus says. Rather, in your heart, Jesus says. And so we're not going to be saved by the obeying of the law. It's by grace, and you can't experience peace unless you understand grace. And so he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, some of you, every time I think of you, I thank God. Every single time I think of you, I thank God. So I know what it feels. I thank my God for every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy. 16 times the word joy or rejoice is mentioned in the book of Philippians. Very, very different book than Galatians. Joy, it's all about joy and the importance of having joy, even if you're chained up in prison. Verse five, I thank God for, every, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day, from that time that um, Lydia invited them in until now. Verse six, being confident of this. being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, meaning until judgment day. So notice, notice what Paul does not say in this verse. Please notice this. He does not say, I know you, I know you, I know your gifts, I know your talents, your zest for life, your persevering spirit, I know you, and I know you're going to complete what you started. He does not say that. No, what he says, he says, I know him, and I know that God, and God began that good work in you, and he is going to complete it. What Paul is saying is, he's saying this, he's saying, I know God, I know who God is, I know the promise of God which says I will never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13, 6. I know the promise of God which says even if you are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself, 2 Timothy 2, 13. I know the promise of God which says love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, which by the way, a lot of translations say love never ends. The CEV says love never comes comes to an end. I know the one who promised that. So he doesn't say you can do it. You can do it. No, he says God's going to do it. He says God's going to do it. He says I know the promise of God which says Romans 8 29 for whom he God foreknew. Meaning those who God chose beforehand which means you, if you've given your life to Christ, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So you don't just come to God, walk down the altar, 
say, yes, I believe in you, Jesus, or raise your hand when a preacher says, raise your hand if you want to give your life to Christ, and then it's all over. No, you over time are conformed into his image. That is the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches. And it's a promise. Paul knows this promise, so he's able to say, he who started a good work in you, I know he is going to complete it. So first, and, and, and then this verse, um, he, he also knows this verse, he knows this promise, for in every way you have been enriched. He is speaking to the church in Corinth. In every way you have been enriched in Christ, in speech, and in uh, knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened in you. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, Calvary Chapel, listen. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, if reflecting on your life, you can recall that time, and it may not be the time where you, where you initially prayed and ask Jesus in your life, but you remember the time where it says, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, that you are clearly strengthened to do things that you never would have otherwise been able to do. If you have a remembrance of that, God's done a testimony in your life, and though you have made a big, gigantic mess of your life since then, you can take joy and you can have faith in this promise, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will strengthen you again. And, and, and so this is what he is uh, telling uh, the Philippians. He, he, he said, listen, I know the way you guys started. You started with a seller of purple, a slave girl, and a jailer and his family. And then I left. They chased me out of the city. Next time I showed up, there's a church there. And we know there was elders and deacons at the time. That wasn't man. There's a whole multitude against them. There are authorities who, who are not happy with them. But God began that work. Same thing with you. You may have made one big fat mess out of your life. But you remember that day that you opened your heart to Jesus Christ without reservation, without condition. And you remember the Lord strengthening you. He will strengthen you again. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. So, very quickly before we close, I ask the worship team to come up. None of this means that Oh, well, if God was, began a good work in me, he's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ and God strengthened me at that time and therefore I know he's going to strengthen me again. I can just sit back and do nothing. What? The verse says... We read a verse, actually there's a verse in 2 Timothy 2.13. It actually says this, even if you're faithless, 
he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. I guess I can stay faithless. You know, unfortunately, over the years, people have actually taken these verses to mean, ba- mean that. And they just kick back. And they have no real relationship with God. And it probably means they're not in God. They're not in Christ because the Holy Spirit doesn't allow you to stay that way. He's going to make you miserable if you're, if you're being faithless until you're driven on to the Lord. So I want to tell you this. We're going to close with this verse, wonderful verse, two chapters later in the book of Philippians. It says this. It says, brothers and sisters, remember, this is the same book. So the same man who wrote, he who began a good work in you will complete it. It's not up to you. He also wrote this. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider that I have taken hold of it. What is, what is it? Meaning the fullness of the character of the man that Jesus has called him to be. But here is the one thing I do. I forget what is behind me. Some of you just need to forget what is behind you. You just need to forget it. God forgets it. The Bible says that um, he remembers your sin no more. Why are you remembering it? So he says, I forget what is behind me and I push hard towards what is ahead of me. Philippians 3.13, we will get there eventually. But it's this beautiful life where we can know when we're at the bottom of the barrel, God began the good work in me. He's going to complete it. But we also say, you know, that means I got to get up. I got to get up. And I got to start walking again. So if you've been asked to pray, please come up at this time and you can rise. We're going to sing a closing worship song. This is really good stuff. And it just carves up my heart. I love it. It's tr- it, it carves it up in a good way. It, it, it does heart surgery on me, particularly on that which is in me, which, which wants to fear, which wants to get anxious, which wants to wonder about the future, and it strengthens me. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Psalm 138.8 says the same thing, David, where David says to the Lord, you will complete that which concerns me. If you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this time. If you're in senior leadership, by the way, if you see all the prayer partners uh, filled up, don't wait till Solomon taps you on the shoulder. Just come on up <laughs> and wait for people to pray. But um, listen, if anything stirred in your heart that I said, anything stirred in your heart and you'd like prayer for it, Maybe you have never, without reservation, said, I want you, Jesus, I'm in. I believe who you are and what you did. Come up. With a prayer of faith, you will come into your life. Or maybe you're having difficulty believing that he who once strengthened you going to strengthen you again and complete the work that he started. Come up and pray. Or if you have anything else you'd like to pray about, please come up as we begin to worship. Father, I just thank you for this word. I pray
pray, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would complete, complete, complete the business that you started. And we came in here and we sat down and we opened up our hearts to you. Complete the business, Lord, in Jesus' name.